If you're new, uh, this is Aaron Weiser, I'm Drew Simpson. We're both pastors here. Uh, we're really happy you're here, and we would love to know that you are here. The best way to do that is there's a welcome card that's over at the info table. So after the service, you go over there, you fill that out, turn it in, and um, you get a gift. It's from a ministry in India that we support that has a really, really cool story yeah. that you get to hear when you do that. Um, and know that here on Sunday morning as we meet together, we meet with the living God who wants to meet with you today. He made every single thing, spoke it, and it became. And yet he wants right now to meet with you in a way that is personal and powerful mm. to transform your heart through the power of the gospel. Amen. So we got to do more worship. We have the word from right. Dr. Aaron Weiser. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm excited. Yeah. So we're, is, are we in week two? Of we're in week John two now, of John, right? yeah. 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 Awesome. It's been great. I love, John is, to this day, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. I've read it through a couple it's, times every It's a year. really good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. So pray for you and yeah. then uh, cut you loose. You guys can extend your hands if you would like. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for um, Aaron. I ask that you would help him to um, articulate your word um, uh, clearly. Uh, um, but I also ask that you would, as he speaks, that you would continue to speak to him, Lord. Uh, we recognize that it's through the power of your spirit, through the proclamation of your word, that you um, move in hearts and in minds yes, and bring God. transformation and bring life where there was death. Lord, we want to meet with you. We want to meet with the living God this morning. And would you do that through your word? Would you do that through Aaron? Uh, we want to hear your voice. We want to meet with you today. Um, would you bring us focus? And would you uh, uh, bring your life uh, as Aaron speaks? So I thank you for your word. I thank you for this morning that you are with us and that you are moving. And I thank you that you're going to speak uh, through your gospel to us. You are so good and so kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't it great to get rain? Oh, man. I felt like I finally am living in the Alaska that I know. It's been a while. So, this morning, we are going to be in John chapter 1. And then I'm going to draw from John chapter 3. Last year, or last week, we made it up to verse 18. So I'm going to pick it up in uh, 19 this morning. Um, but before we jump in, I'm going to read you uh, a section of the word. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, I want to give you an idea of kind of where we're going uh, this morning. And I actually, I, I want to reiterate... Uh, just a couple of things from last week. Oh, side note, while I'm thinking about it, I mentioned this before, a few of you have asked about it, the whole darkness in the back thing, this is not a new, like, moody thing that we're going for. Our building has breakers that have decided to freak out in the last two months, and we had to choose between having you guys have light or having a sound system that functions. So we went with sound system that functions. Maybe next week we'll bring flashlights for all of you. I apologize. Remember, John is a first-hand witness writing his account of his experiences for your benefit, for the benefit of the reader. John is not 
just making a case for a certain set of truths or principles or beliefs. He is not just trying to get you to agree with a belief system. He is trying to introduce you to a person. And that person is Jesus. John and Jesus were friends. In fact, they were very close friends. And John is writing to tell you about his friend Jesus and his firsthand experiences after having spent a few years walking alongside of Jesus, living with Jesus, participating in ministry with him. Now, the end of that testimony will lead you, if you embrace who Jesus is, to a certain set of truths about life, about reality, about uh, good and evil. But John is telling us about a person. And I mentioned this last week. This is one of the unique realities of the Christian faith, is that we teach truth incarnate. That all of the principles, all of the things that we say are true about God are wrapped up and put on display in the person of Jesus Christ. And so as a first order of business and then as a continual order of business, we as Christians make it our goal to know who Jesus is and to understand his mission. And I said last week that it was uh, my prayer that you, in, in a special way, as we go through this series, uh, would make it a priority to take new steps to get to know Jesus, to deepen your relationship with him, to deepen your understanding of who he is. Uh, Sunday mornings will not be sufficient. If you missed last week, uh, you can get, catch it online. Uh, if you missed the teaching, in fact, why don't you just go ahead and do that now? We'll wait here for a few minutes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So this morning, what's going to happen, and I don't want you to get f confused on this point, is that the Apostle John, who is writing uh, his firsthand account of the ministry of Jesus, is going to tell you a story of another John, John the Baptist. So there's actually two Johns. There's the one who's telling us the story, but he's going to tell us a story this morning of a, of a significant character during that time frame, an influential character, a teacher by the name of John the Baptist. Last week, what we looked at primarily is John's introduction to who Jesus is and by looking at the story of John the Baptist, what we're going to add to that through the story of John the Baptist is a better understanding of who we are in relationship to who Jesus is, which is the second half of the equation that we must put together. Once you properly understand who God is, who his son is, who Jesus is, that informs, in fact, it must inform our understanding of who we are in the light of his image, okay? 
So what John the Baptist is going to do is John the Baptist is going to make some statements about who he is in relationship to who Jesus is. And those two things hopefully will come together this morning. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but on my left hand, I wear two rings. Anyone noticed? No. No. That was great. Nope, never once. I wear two rings on my left hand. Uh, I have my wedding band. You know the significance of that. You've probably met her. Um, I also have a ring on my left hand uh, that looks like a belt buckle. Um, These are the only uh, two pieces of jewelry I've ever worn. Um, And I don't say that because I'm proud of it, but okay, kind of. When I first started wearing a wedding band, I almost lost it multiple times because I would play with it, I would take it off and fiddle with it. Um, Anyways, I got used to it, but about uh, probably seven years ago, my oldest daughter, Sayla, gave me a belt buckle ring that she found on the ground. Isn't that sweet? And this is actually the only finger that it fits on of all ten of my fingers. And so when your seven-year-old daughter gives you a piece of jewelry, you wear it, right? Um, What makes this ring even more special is that I found out later it actually belongs to my sister-in-law, Jess. (laughs) It had been given to her by one of her family members from overseas, and Selah found it on the ground and gave it to me. What John is going to reveal to us is that we find our significance by association. These two little items here have significance by association. So let's read. John 1, I'm going to pick it up in verse 19. And as I read, I'm going to read a little bit from uh, John 1 and then John 3. As I read, I might offer a little bit of uh, a couple of small pieces of commentary. This is the testimony of John. So now John is telling us about John the Baptist. So this is John the Baptist's testimony, as told to us by the Apostle John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed. He did not deny, but confessed. Uh, I am not the Christ. Isn't that great? Who are you? Well, I'm not God. Oh, cool. Wasn't concerned. No. (laughs) I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Because there's prophecies about a second Elijah that would come. And he said, I am not. And they said, well, are you the prophet? Uh, Once again, referring to some prophecies of some future figures. And he answered, no. And they said to him, so who are you? We need to give an answer to the people who sent us. What do you say about yourself? How do you describe yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. 
as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, these people had been sent from the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day. And so they asked him, so then uh, why are you baptizing people? If you're not the Christ, uh, you're not Elijah, you're not a prof- the prophet, and John answered them, he said, uh, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. In other words, there's someone else in your midst that you have not identified yet. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I'm jumping to chapter 3. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew. And the discussion was about purification, probably related to baptism. And they came to John and they said to him, uh, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, talking about Jesus, so they said to John, hey John, you remember Jesus, the guy that you talked about? Um, I don't know if you know this, and I don't want to make anything awkward, but uh, you should know that he is now baptizing as well, and a lot of people are going to see him instead. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. I want to unpack. We're going to move fairly quickly. I want to unpack five claims that John uses to describe himself in relation to Jesus. Five things. Now, uh, here's the deal before I give you the first one. These should seem elementary. And what I have found and what you've heard me say is that when it comes to the basic truths of the gospel, it's actually not 
complicated. It's just impossible to live it out without God's help. Five claims. The first one, John says, I am not the Christ. Just to be clear, I am not the Savior. I am not the Messiah. I am not God. I am not the Christ. I am not my own Savior. And I am not the Savior of anyone else. You are not your own Savior. You cannot produce through your own strength and through your own might those things necessary for your own salvation. You cannot produce those things for anyone else because you are not the Christ. I am not the Christ. I am not the Savior. I am not God. There is a God. There is a Christ. There is a Messiah. There is a Savior, and I am not him. So maybe you should turn to your spouse and say, I know that sometimes you wonder, but I am not God. <laughs> or maybe turn to your parents, or to your children, I mean. I know sometimes you, you want to believe, but I am not God. I love my kids. I have three girls and three boys. And I walk in this reality. I am not the Christ. I am not the Savior. I am not the Messiah. There is only one. And they must know him as their Savior. Number one, I am not the Christ. I am not Jesus. Number two, I am not before Jesus. He says in verse 30, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Isn't that interesting? After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. So chronologically on a timeline, there's going to come a man who's going to have a ministry on a timeline after my ministry, but you need to know that he is before me. He was before me. This is something that I share when we, uh, and we do the Tuesday training, the gospel class, which isn't a class on the gospels, it's a class on the gospel, the message, the basic message of the Christian faith. This is how I always begin that class. The gospel always begins with God. The gospel message does not begin with your awareness of your sin and brokenness. That's not where the story starts. The story started a very long time ago. And it begins with God before you were born, before the world began. The cross was in view. Your salvation was being accomplished by the one true Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, 
who ranks before me, who was before me. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. So the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Jesus is not coming onto the scene into your story. You have come onto the scene in his story. And if it feels, and I understand this feeling, but if it feels like Jesus is a recent arrival into your story, it is only your recent recognition of his presence. Because he was before you. He is before you. I am not the Christ. I am not before the Christ. And number three, I am not the center of the story of Jesus. <laughs> I want to walk cautiously here. So hear me out. In regards to the life of Aaron Weiser, Aaron Weiser is not the central character of even my story. Jesus is and must rightfully be at all times the central character of the story. He is the hero of the story. He is the Dwayne Johnson of the movie. It's his movie. In, in chapter 3, verse 29, uh, John says, he says, let me, let me give you an analogy here to kind of explain how I view this relationship. So remember, there's this concern among John's disciples, and so they bring this concern to him. They said, just so you know, there's another guy named Jesus uh, not only is he baptizing, but he's kind of winning. He's, uh, he's, he's getting people to come and join him. And John responds in this way. He says, let me, let me give you a, a working analogy here. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. In other words, if you go to a wedding, uh, the, the bride and the groom are the key players, Right? They're the central figures. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice, meaning at the arrival of the bridegroom. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Says, let me explain it this way. If I show up to a wedding as the best man, it would be inappropriate for me to make that ceremony about me. That's not what best men are supposed to do. That ceremony, that event is about the bridegroom and the bride. 
Jesus has come to redeem for himself a bride, which is not just John the Baptist, it's all of us, his church, right? And John says, my joy is completed in this way, to see him enter into that chapel, that sanctuary, wherever that wedding is taking place. My joy is in his arrival because this is his moment. And now that he is here, my joy is complete. I am not the center of the story of Jesus. Remember, Jesus chronologically, came onto the scene of John's ministry. John was the one who baptized Jesus. I imagine that showed up in his journal later. February 22nd, it's been a great day of ministry. I baptized God today. John says, my highest joy is bringing joy to Jesus. It's serving his joy. That is what brings me my greatest joy, is to facilitate his. And this is why I say, like, these principles are simple and yet impossible. Let me ask you a self-analysis question. Do you really truly believe that it is better to serve than to be served? Do you believe that? If it's better to serve than to be served, let me ask you a follow-up question. What do your prayers or your conversations with God primarily consist of? Petitions to serve or to be served. Who's the servant in your relationship with God? Is it you constantly seeking him to do your bidding? Or is it you constantly presenting yourself to do his bidding? John says, no, no, no. First of all, let's get this straight. I am not the central character of this story. There is another who is before me. But let me clear up one other detail just in case you're confused. I don't, I don't experience remorse over that reality. No, my joy is fully intact in this, fulfilling my role in service to Jesus Christ. Number four. <laughs> Oh, and also as a side note, I am not worthy to serve Jesus. Verse, chapter 1, verse 27. There is one coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I want to unpack this a little bit. I have observed, this is Aaron Weiser talking now, so this isn't necessarily from the Lord, 
although him and I are close. I have observed a cultural myth that suggests that the way to overcome fear, insecurity, shame, guilt, is to assert my own worth to myself and to others. Hashtag self-love, hashtag worth it, hashtag I'm all that, hashtag I deserve this. And yet, anyone with any degree of self-awareness will feel over time that this constant assertion of my own inherent value is a little bit hollow. It's just me saying that I'm worth something. John didn't believe he was worthless. That's a different lie. John knew that yet unworthy he had been called and that his worth is derived from the worth of Jesus himself because he was created by Jesus, for Jesus, and therein lies his worth. When Jesus in John 1 comes to John and says, hey, John, would you baptize me? John's response is, no, I am not worthy of this assignment. It should be reversed. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, this is your calling at this time and place. You're going to be the guy to baptize me. John did not believe himself to be worthless. But he so believed in the supreme worth of Jesus that he knew, in my own strength, of my own volition, I cannot create worth even by stating it. My worth is derived from my association with Jesus. He is the one through whom I have worth. And how great is that worth? I love this uh, passage in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul talking. For God said, who said, or sorry, <laughs> for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, he says, so God has invested in your hearts the knowledge of God. Remember that light, that life has been placed in you. And then he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We hold the presence of the God of the universe, the creator of all things, we hold the knowledge of him, his very presence, here in jars of clay to show this, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
Isn't that fantastic? That here am I, a jar of clay. Clay which will one day return to the earth as clay. And yet here I hold the power and presence of Jesus in this earthen vessel to show what? To show his greatness. To show his supreme worth. Invite the worship team up. Last assertion, the last claim made by John. I am not going to resist Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Really, truly, it's my prayer that in your area of struggle right now, maybe you are struggling in a relationship, maybe a marriage relationship, maybe a child-parent relationship, maybe an employee-employer relationship, maybe a peer relationship, maybe your struggle is financial. Maybe your struggle is emotional. Maybe your struggle is physical with your own health. My prayer is that you would be able to turn to the Lord and say this, in regards to your situation, He must increase. If I am to experience the miraculous and transforming power of God in my life in regards to this situation, this is how it must go. He must increase. He must increase. Colossians 1, verse 16 and following, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that he might take his rightful first place. As you grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and who you are in his presence, you will discover what many who have gone before you have discovered as well, that Jesus changes everything. Do you want to see the power of God at work in your life? He must increase. And that's up to you. That's up to you. You can choose right now today. In whatever area of your life, place Jesus in first place. To make this confession with John, I am not the Christ, only you. Would you take preeminence over my life? Oh man, I'm telling you, 
For those of you who are resisting God's rightful place in some area of your life, I know the feeling and I know it's exhausting. Stop. Just decide now to lay it down. Give Christ his rightful place. We're going to respond now uh, in worship. We're going to celebrate Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us. So thankful for what he is, for what he's done, for who he is. Uh, if you have any prayer requests of any kind that you would like someone to pray with you for, whether it be uh, in response to this message, whether it be uh, physical, emotional, financial need, whatever it is, we'll have some people over here that would love to join with you in prayer. Um, we have communion tables around the room. Uh, remember the bread and the cup is the body and blood of Jesus, broken, poured out for us. And every time we eat of it, we remember this, that his life is here in this jar of clay. And then, of course, uh, you can give. There are giving receptacles along the back. Would you guys stand with me? Let's come before the Lord together. Oh God, I'm so aware even now of the wasted hours and days of resisting your rule over various areas of my life. And how faithful and gracious and merciful you have been through that resistance. I'm also mindful that you have again and again proved your supreme worth. Every time that I've, I've turned to you and, and, and relinquished my own right to be God over my own existence, that you have come through in just profound and miraculous ways. I pray now this morning, God, that your spirit would break through that resistance in the hearts of those who are, who are working against your supreme rule. That they would know the joy of giving you your rightful place. We come before you now. We ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name. great to worship together. It's so good. <clears throat> this is the same writer. This is John. At the end of the book, Revelations 22. He sees Jesus again in a vision. And Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then John says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, let the one who hears this say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost, let him come. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's the day. It's, it's turning to him.
confessing your own need, your brokenness, and inviting him into his rightful place in your life. You can do that now. Uh, I'm going to ask our uh, prayer ministry team members to stay put for a few minutes. If you want prayer for any reason, uh, they'll be over there for a little bit yet. They would love to pray with you. Uh, 6th through 12th grade, we're going to meet tonight uh, over at the new building. If you still want to jump into a house church, now's the time. Uh, sign up over at the info table or on the app. And then I want to add one last little detail here. Most of our core teardown team is moose hunting. So if you have a little extra time to stay even maybe a little longer than you normally do to help us finish up getting wrapped up today, that would be a huge blessing to our team. God bless you. May his spirit be with you. You're dismissed.